Welcome to People in Exile, where we have conversations, host interviews, discuss books, and engage with the Bible to help believers live out their faith in an unbelieving world. Welcome to this episode of People in Exile. I am Chris Chambers, and I am joined per usual, Mr. Ben Ellis. The Ben Ellis, here I am. The capital T-H-E, and we have Mr. Andrew Chamberlain. Andrew Chamberlain. Yes, sir. Glad to be here, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is our first uh, like regular episode that we've recorded in quite some time, so uh, congratulations, guys. Yay! <laughs> Feels good. I'm. I was excited. Yeah. We were texting last night. I was pumped. Yeah, and, and something that we didn't mention uh, in the in the last episode recorded is <clears throat> what we're doing moving forward is we we put this in our calendar, right? Uh, both all three of us, we've got it in our calendar. Uh, it's in our weekly calendar. We we were we were trying to figure out how to record uh, on a regular basis previously, and you know we've we've done all kind of different stuff and different times, and ultimately it was taken away from family time, mm-hmm. and we didn't want to do that because we're all limited with family time as it is, mm-hmm. and so we figured, well, let's, what's a time that's not where you know we're not taken away from the family where we could uh, get together regularly, do it, and uh, I think we figured it out. I'm excited. Yeah. I think it's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're also hopeful that this will uh, allow us to bring in, uh, you know, guests uh, on with some regularity as well that can yeah. join us. Um, that's one of the other difficulties we've had is not, you know, not mm-hmm. only us getting together, but then Absolutely. trying to figure out when somebody else can get on. So anyhow, that's uh, one of the things we're going to be doing moving forward. Um, we haven't given away any books in a long time either. No, uh, but I have a good one to give away soon. Okay. All right. This free to believe, okay. man. All right. And it's by? Luke Goodridge. Okay. So right. Luke, if you're listening to this, yeah. uh, I have direct messaged you on Twitter. So please <laughs> come he, on our podcast. He just missed it. Uh, that's yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, for sure. We're um, just going to have to tag him. I'm telling you. Tag this, him in this. This is the best book I think I've read this year. Wow. I love wow. it. That's right. that's high praise. So uh, I've I've actually uh, on your uh, recommendation, I went ahead and purchased it. I don't, I haven't gotten it in yet. Yeah, um, and so uh, maybe maybe uh, we will do an episode on that at some. I point. would love to. All right. I uh, think this would be great, man. Okay. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, Chris, it was one of the books of the year by Christianity Today. I think they have different okay. categories or something, but it's 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 really good. Good All book. Right. Free to believe by Luke Goodridge. Um, right. Yeah. 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 All right. Excellent. Uh, well, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. So hopefully we can do that. Um, we've uh, we've also and we've discussed it previously, but uh, Dr. Pryor uh, had agreed to go on uh, on with us, and uh, of course then COVID hit, and we just never figured out how to how to make that happen yet. Uh, we're still hopeful we'll be able to get that done at some point. She's a nice lady. Yeah. I'm sure she would be. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what we decided we wanted to start right now uh, is uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We want to discuss the Sermon on the Mount. And so some Bible study here uh, amongst the three of us. Uh, Andrew, you're teaching on the Sermon on the Mount currently, uh, both at uh, Jericho and uh, Life Group. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, uh, when I heard that you were doing that, I thought, you know, I've never taught the Sermon on the Mount. Let's uh, let's go that route. So for me, uh, I was teaching Romans, so we'd we'd done that uh, for about three years, two and a half years or so. And, uh, got and to, not completed it. You need, we, we haven't need completed sure it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll admit to that. We have not completed We got to Romans 9, and uh, my, my head was spinning. And so I said, let's take a break. So then I went to the Gospel of Mark. No, Jonah first. I did Jonah. Then did went Jonah. To, yeah, then the Gospel of Mark. And then uh, went to Hosea. And then I think 
back now to uh, to Matthew mm-hmm. five. So I think that's kind of where I've been over the last uh, year and a half or so. Uh, but anyhow, uh, and then of course uh, uh, Ben, uh, when he was in uh, in seminary, did some kind of a special study on the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, we had a biblical intensive just on the Sermon on the Mount. It yeah. was really interesting. And so the Sermon on the Mount, we have Matthew chapter 5, uh, chapter 6, and chapter 7. That mm-hmm. is uh, what is typically known as the Sermon on the Mount. We have over in Luke chapter 6, uh, what some refer to as like the Sermon on the Plain. There's some question out there as to whether it's the same uh, sermon or not. Uh, ben believes that it is the same sermon, uh, and he could speak to that uh, if he so chooses. Um, there's some individuals believe this is a different uh, setting. Uh, obviously, the content is very similar. Um, and uh, which which gives reason to believe that, that this would be the same. Uh, then of course some folks say, well, it, it's it is similar content because this is something that Jesus would have preached on a regular you know re- regular basis. Nonetheless, we're going to study through. We're looking at Matthew primarily uh, as the text. Uh, we may discuss Luke a little bit. Yeah, um, I think uh, you know as we is as an audience, if you want to kind of hear our framework today or our outline, so you can maybe follow along. I'm going to kind of hit on the last point first. We want everybody to understand that the reason that we do these when we start studying Scripture together is, and, and I won't give too much of it away, but we have to understand that if we're truly going to be people that are in exile, so we, we, we are here, you know, going back to our reference of Jeremiah, we're, we're here in this land. God has placed us in this land for such a season, but our home is really with God for eternity. We have to understand that the way that we're going to accomplish that the best is to understand God's word and apply it in in practical everyday uh, everyday uh, ways. So that's the reason we're doing this. This study of Scripture enables us to truly be the people that God has in this season, in this moment, wherever we are. So that's true for you too, as a as a listener, as a follower of Christ. Uh, make sure you're studying God's word so you can properly apply it to where God has placed you for for such a time. So. Uh, we will dive in. So uh, as we wait, 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 we got one thing, Chris. <laughs> no, take I, it just away. Want, I just wanted to mention uh, this real quick. So before we we jump in and, and, and go through kind of what we're going to discuss today, I just wanted to to mention this is a very uh, well known passage, right? And uh, sure. it's, it's in fact there may be somebody out there listening and things. Sermon on the Mount. Okay, I, I think I've heard of that. I'm not sure exactly what that is, but let me just go through briefly uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, texts that we're gonna we're gonna be seeing in this. Uh, you have, you know, start out with the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. Those are certainly uh, very well-known passages. Uh, then we have the section on salt and light, right? You are the salt of the earth, right? Uh, we have the section, you are the light of the world. City on the hill, right? Cannot mm-hmm. uh, be hidden. Uh, moving forward uh, beyond that, Jesus talks about the fact that he came to fulfill, not to abolish uh, mm-hmm. the law. And then we have the section where, where he, uh, Jesus uh, talks about, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, you've, you've heard it say, or said that if you, you know, thou shalt not murder, but if you even have anger in your heart, right? So you have that yep. section. We have the section on, on lust, uh, on divorce, uh, as well. Uh, and then we have the section on love your enemies, right? You've heard it, uh, heard it said that, uh, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, again, when we talk about countercultural and counterintuitive and counter everything, I mean, that, that, Correct. that certainly is it, yeah. this, this, uh, this sermon here. Um, and then, you know, moving into that next section, we, we, we start with, uh, this section on giving to the needy and then we have the Lord's prayer, right? Our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, moving forward, we talk about fasting, you know, when you fast, you know, don't look gloomy, uh, you know, so that, so that others may see you, but, but do it in secret. Uh, we have the ne- next section laying up, uh, treasures, uh, in heaven, not on earth, right? Where rust and, uh, moth destroy, 
Uh, we have this section on uh, do not be anxious, right? Uh, uh, for there's mm-hmm. enough worrying today, right? We don't don't yep. worry about tomorrow. There's enough to worry about right now, uh, but but beyond that, right? We don't have to worry because we have uh, we know the one who holds tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, the section on judging others, right? Thou shalt not judge, and that's right, right. And that's one of like the most commonly yes. misquoted verses Agreed. of all time. Yeah, right absolutely. There. <laughs> that in Philippians four thirteen. Yeah, yeah. But I can do all things through Christ. Um, the next thing says here, um, ask and it will be given uh, to you, right? Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open. Again, th- these are these are very, very well-known passages, ones mm-hmm. that, that a lot of folks listening may even have, have memorized or have memorized uh, at some point. And then we have, you know, of course, the golden rule, which which is a uh, right out of Scripture, right? Jesus Correct. himself, uh, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law mm-hmm. and the prophets, right? And then uh, we have uh, a few more sections here. Uh, beware of false prophets, uh, the tree and the, its fruit, right? A bad tree can't bear bad, uh, good fruit, and a good tree can't bear bad fruit, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, this, this you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Uh, and that's one that, that uh, in fact, I think John MacArthur, that was the, very, that was the text he used for his first uh, uh, sermon ever uh, after he had been called uh, to, or it might, or it might have been the one that, that when he was called. Uh, to Grace Community mm-hmm. out in uh, California, mm-hmm. yeah, and then uh, of course he ends it with you know build your house on the rock, right, as opposed to the sand, mm-hmm. uh, so the winds come and uh, and it will not uh, fall. So uh, and of course it ends with uh, with the authority uh, of uh, Jesus. Those looking uh, said, man, this this man teaches with what a teacher, uh, yeah, yeah, something yeah. something different. This isn't like yeah. the scribes and the Pharisees teaching. This is uh, altogether. Uh, different. Uh, so anyway, just a kind of quick overview. That's that's the Sermon on the Mount. That's the the content, and uh, it's certainly, like I said, very very well known uh, passages. So uh, yeah. where are we headed next? Yeah. So there you go. That's the big big picture of the whole sermon. So appreciate mm-hmm. that, Chris. So let's start out with this. One of the things that uh, it may seem simple, but it's very important to understand and to, to talk about just for a moment. Who wrote this? So Ben. Mm-hmm. Break that down for us, because to some extent, that's a little bit of a loaded question, because there's a couple different ways you can take that. So take it in all different ways. Who wrote the Sermon on the Mount? Okay, well, you, okay, there we go. Okay, so let's start. Let's go ahead. So I think the easiest way to start is just to say that Matthew wrote the, wrote the Sermon on the Mount in the sense that this is what he recorded, what he remembered of this particular teaching. We have to remember that the Gospels were not written, like, as Jesus was going along. So it's not like Matthew was sitting there with a scribe. Yeah, yeah. yeah furiously writing as Jesus was, was speaking. Uh, but it was a sense in which these are the principles and the doctrines that, that Matthew would have remembered from this particular teaching. And again, of course, we hold on to this idea of the dual uh, authorship of Scripture, both the Holy Spirit and the, and the human author. That's the, the loaded part I'm trying to get yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. I'm glad I got it. So we get to that dual authorship kind of context. And, you know, so we've got Jesus speaking, but we also have the Holy Spirit inspiring Matthew, reminding him, enlightening him, illuminating him as to what would best fit inside of Matthew's gospel. And this is actually one of the reasons why I believe uh, that these that this and the Luke passage are the same teaching, because I think the reason where we find the differences, I think the senses where we see some of those things, is that Luke is doing something fundamentally different. Luke tells you at the beginning of his gospel, what he's done is he's gathered others' accounts, because Luke wasn't there, right? Luke wasn't there. He tells us up front, he gathered positions from other eyewitnesses about what was happening. Now, I still believe... Uh, that, that that the Holy Spirit superintended what Luke was finding, right, and, and, and how that was working. But what's happening here is a little bit different because Matthew is a 
is an eyewitness in and of the place at the time Jesus is speaking because Matthew is one of his 12 called disciples and the Holy Spirit is going to descend on him at Pentecost like the others. So there's a very functional difference, I think, between what Matthew is trying to do versus what Luke is trying to do. And I also think, and this goes back to what uh, Chris was reading us at the end of that, where the authority construct of Jesus comes into play. And what we see is is that G- that Matthew is very much trying to paint this picture of Jesus as the Messiah who came, the the, the coming Messiah King who came as a result of of the prophecies that are withheld uh, in the Old Testament and the prophets. Good, good. So I think a couple things we just to make it real simple for everybody. We need to understand Matthew recorded this. Correct. <laughs> he wrote it, but we believe. This is a very important thing, especially for everybody who's studying out, starting out studying scripture. The distinction of, yes, there's a man who wrote it, but right. it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. Anything else we need to add there, Chris? Yeah, the only other thing I, I, you know, I just wanted to mention, touch on, you, know, you said Matthew. So who is Matthew? Okay, so Matthew was one of the 12 disciples that Jesus called. Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collector. Which is, okay, that's what you wanted to get to. Okay, I just want to make sure. No, keep going. I'm hitting all the right places there. So, but but I think tax collector is important because we got to figure, we have to remember the context of who Matthew was as a tax collector, how he would have been viewed uh, as as a result of that profession. He was very much a traitor to his community, very much a a someone who from inside the Jewish community yeah. was serving Rome as opposed to He's getting wealthy community. off of it. Oh right? yeah, and he was and he was li- probably lining his pockets. And Jesus when he called the 12 apostles called uh, 12 same uh, type of individuals, right? They were exactly the same. Oh no, no, they're all different. So we have Matthew, a tax collector, who was essentially a traitor to the Jews. Correct. Right, to we the had, Jewish we community. Had, we had smelly fishermen who were most likely uneducated. How about right? Simon the Zealot? Yeah, he was a fun Can guy. Can you imagine that one? Yeah, si- you got, si- Simon you got and Math- Matthew. You yeah. got Matthew and Simon, yeah. and you're like, wait a second. Yeah. I bet wait they really did not like and, each and, other. And again, just to, just to clarify, Simon the Zealot would have been of the Zealot party, right? Looking yes. to mm-hmm. find a way to physically overthrow Rome. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Would actually carry swords and actually kill uh, Roman soldiers and things like that. That's yeah. actually what the uh, Zealot party would do at the time. And then you have on the on the flip side, this guy, Matthew, who wrote what we're about to discuss, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, who, who, who would have been... Uh, working on behalf of aiding and abetting yeah, Rome, Rome yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, against his own people. Uh, and yet yeah. Jesus one day came by uh, Matthew, also known as Levi, mm-hmm. and said, come and follow me. And, and he got up and he went. Yeah, he packed up his tax collector tent and yeah. just rolled out. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. So anyhow, you know. So again, there's, a, there's a message there. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. there's a big message of what? The gospel really tra- the gospel. brings absolutely. transformation and, and, and equips us to be not just what we once were, but who we you know, who, who he's called us to be. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then it also transcends all the connections that we make as hu- yeah. like those, those human connections that we would, those natural connections that we would expect to make with people who are our same race, same yeah. ethnicity, same nationality, same whatever. Yeah. And it actually transcends all those things. And, and as an aside, uh, there is a book called the Com- compelling community. I would uh, certainly uh, recommend you take a look at it if you haven't already uh, written by Mark Dever and Jamie Dunlap. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it talks just about that, about the, the, the centrality of the gospel in, uh, in a church mm-hmm. and how the church is a supernatural uh, body of believers uh, mm-hmm. that are brought together for one purpose, and that is uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very good. So, again, Matthew is the human author, Holy Spirit, the divine author. Great. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So let's go to this next question. Why was it written? So let's start with this. The context is, we're going to, I want to separate just a little bit the context. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, it's kind of hard to do that. I get that. But I want to, I want to, you can even think broader scope. So we know that the, the gospel of Matthew through study, we, we learn that it's primarily directed to what audience? The Jewish, Jewish audience. audience. Jewish audience. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's one thing we need to think about here. Okay. 
So when we say the book of Matthew has a more direct leaning to the Jewish audience, we can see that even in how they handle mm-hmm. the genealogy in mm-hmm. chapter one, which is pretty fascinating. All right. Now, when we look at Matthew five for a second, um, and it, you can't, I'm not, I'm not trying to extract that from the larger book. Okay. So don't hear it that way. Mm-hmm. But when we think of that, think of that audience, um, you know, that was hearing this message, they were probably, probably, I think is a fair way of saying primarily what? Jewish. Jewish. All right. Mm-hmm. So we see there's a heavy Jewish lean here. Mm-hmm. So uh, why? Why was this book written? What was the attended, um, intended implication, or where was this book going? I, th- I think that the intended implication, I think you can see this by all the times that Matthew says very clever things like, as it was written, mm-hmm. or so it was said in Scripture. Yep. You see that Matthew is very much trying to paint the picture of Jesus as the intended coming Messiah King that the Jewish nation was actually looking for. Yeah, fulfilling all that Old Testament yep. prophecy. And just, mm-hmm. just going back to that context for a minute, go to Matthew chapter 1, right? You mentioned the genealogy. That's where we start out. All right, who is this man, right, called mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gives us that. Uh, then we have the birth of Christ, right, the virgin birth uh, of Christ that follows. Then we have the you know the visit of the wise men. We have the Christmas story, right, as, we, as we've come to, call, uh, to know it. Uh, the flight to Egypt, the Herod killing the children, the return to Nazareth, so on and so forth. Uh, and then we have uh, John the Baptist, right, preparing the way, right, for mm-hmm. um, uh, So you're Jesus. leading us up to Matthew 5. Leading up to yeah. Matthew chapter right. 5, yeah. So now mm-hmm. in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist uh, prepares uh, the way. Uh, John the Baptist baptizes, right, does mm-hmm. what he does, right? Absolutely. Uh, he baptizes uh, Christ. We see the uh, the dove descend upon him. We mm-hmm. hear the voice from heaven uh, uh, as well. So we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit right there in that picture. Uh, we have the temptation of Christ at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yep. uh, there in the uh, in the desert, and then um, and then Jesus begins his his ministry there in the second part of uh, chapter I think, four. I think it's really important to point out though that as Jesus begins his ministry, John was arrested. Mm-hmm. Like so, you have this preparer, this John the Baptist, who is the voice crying in the wilderness yeah. that he that he states in other places, but that he is jailed by Herod, and then he and then Jesus picks up. And it's it's word for word the same the same because in verse seventeen of chapter four it says and from that time Jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand which is exactly what John's message was well, so there's that constancy that goes in between those two things yeah. all right great so that leads into this so so we've answered who wrote it why it was written there's this there's this showcasing that Jesus is the Messiah mm-hmm. and and that's that's really good yeah, so now- w- one other thing I did want to point as far as contextually uh, so Jesus yes he starts his ministry he calls his first disciples right he starts to minister to the crowds but that includes uh, uh, calling out and healing the sick right mm-hmm. uh, uh, is, is what he starts doing and and also uh, casting out demons healing of the sick casting out demons leads up to or, and then he goes up to a mountain where Matthew 5 1 uh, mm-hmm. begins there and that you know we had mentioned uh, uh, Dallas Willard a, a moment ago and he has some stuff and we, we may may or may not talk about that but I just wanted to mention that as well because that that directly precedes at least in, in the gospel of Matthew uh, Ma- uh, Matthew 5 1 and that's going to get into this next part so mm-hmm. context the whole you yeah. know you took us through that part which is really good I want us to think a little bit about this original audience. And then before we get into this, I'm going to, after we do this, I'm going to kind of recap before we move on just okay. a little bit, just to, just so you guys will know, uh, context. So at the, we see this is primarily geared to a Jewish audience. Now we know that, that, uh, scriptures for everybody, but this, if we're looking at it from just a historical element. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that really quick. The, do the Jewish people have their own country at this point? Not, not, not in any real sense. I mean, yeah. they're they're a subservient subset of Rome. Now, Rome, Rome had a, a 
a habit of allowing people to keep their culture as they were assumed into the Roman Empire, but they were still part of the Roman Empire. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not they're, a, a question. They're taxed. They're taxed by Rome. Yep. They're governed by Rome. Yep. They, the military of Rome is their military, so they don't have a sovereignty of their own nation, I think is a fair way of mm-hmm. saying it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we know we've already hit on Simon the Zealot a little bit. There was a great angst at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look, if I'm not mistaken, about 30-some years after um, when this sermon is preached, um, roughly in that period, you're going to see Rome's going to sack their temple, right? And that's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 So, so there's obviously, if that's going on, yeah. you know, we can see the angst is growing. You can even see how they're bartering. Let's fast forward to the end of Jesus's life. Mm-hmm. And the Jews obviously are bartering with the Roman uh, leader um, because they, they've got some sway with him because he's trying to balance in between. Mm-hmm. If you have a judicial mm-hmm. system where you can literally call out for the man's life mm-hmm. because you hold some sway, Chris, you're a lawyer. That tells sure. you their, their, their system's a little whacked up right, right now, right? right? No doubt. So there's a lot of angst, yeah. I think is a fair way of mm-hmm. saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, you know, what other context things do you think are important for you, for you guys as you're studying this text? Because we might not hit them all. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. But what are some other things that I think are important for us to understand? what these people are going through as this is being preached and recorded. Well, I think as, as, as the Christ, as the Messiah, right. Uh, as that would have been known at that time, uh, most uh, or many, if not most uh, of, uh, of, of, of Israel, right. Uh, who knew uh, the prophecies of uh, the Messiah to come uh, at that time would have certainly thought that uh, Jesus was coming. This Messiah, right. Was coming to overthrow Rome, to allow Israel then to be yeah. raised up almost mm-hmm. kind of beckoning mm-hmm. back to you, David, right. And, and mm-hmm. kind of the, the pinnacle of of, uh, of the Jewish kingdom uh, or Israel uh, at the time, and uh, and so there was that misconception of exactly what he was. So then, you know, you kind of fast forward three and a half years from where, where this this uh, took place, uh, the sermon would have taken place, and, and then suddenly uh, uh, Jesus dies on the cross, and it's like, wait a minute, wait, I, I crucified thought, by Rome. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I thought this was something completely, you know, altogether different. Yeah. So uh, anyway, just wanted to mention that. That's what a else? Good point. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really important, like contextually, is because I think I think Andrew's absolutely right. I think the angst is is deep and it's heavy, and that we are defining who the Messiah King actually is. And I think what we see in the Sermon on the Mount flows directly out of that concept of who the Messiah was actually always intended to be. Right? It, Isaiah tells us about this self-sacrificial king who is coming the self-sacrificial messiah who's going to come and i think that's really the the one of the bigger contextual moments for me because if you look at the sermon on the mount and then you look at how jesus did ministry what happens is is you see this very different perspective again what they were expecting with this militaristic overthrow you know this this full weight and fury of heaven against rome because he's been they've been oppressing israel for so long which is what the Jews had in mind when they were thinking of a Messiah King uh, versus what what comes from Jesus. And I think contextually, even just the first verse in chapter 5 really tells us what, what the context of Jesus was as the Messiah. Because it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, uh, he, his disciples came, excuse me, this is verse 2, and he opened his mouth and began to talk. There's this perception of the people that, this isn't this isn't how you start a military war. You don't sit down in the middle of a field or on the side of a mountain and start talking. You know. Yeah. There, there's another rabble rousing that kind of begins that process. Yeah, I think I, I think one way to kind of sum this up, and then and then we'll move it forward. Uh, 
is all these different things that we're talking about, who wrote it, why, context, audience, all these different things, I think it's very important for us to understand as students of the word, because why? There's a quote, and you know, I don't know who it's attributed to, and it's a little cliche, but it says what? Those who don't know history are are doomed to, to what? Re- repeat it. Repeat yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. So let's use that for just a moment. We need to know the history of these things, not because we can repeat these, so to speak, or we don't want to repeat it, but we need to understand the history of these things so that what? This text will become more alive, not only in that period, but also what? Mm-hmm. In the period that you and I live in right now. Mm-hmm. Think about all the different things that we mentioned, the angst. Think about the different the, the different groups of people that Jesus is bringing together. Think about our own preconceived ideas of a Messiah. All mm-hmm. these different things that we're hitting upon, man, to me... Yes, this was 2,000 plus years ago, but I tell you, it sounds awfully a lot like today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have still angst, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're struggling all the time, like sovereignty of nations. I mean, that's a big, that's a big conversation to, today. We're struggling with all kinds of types of different discrimination. We got different classes. We got uh, all different types of judging that we're doing internally, so to speak, right? We've got all kinds of different ideas specifically in the, in the time period that we find ourselves living with what we think Jesus should do or how he should act or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess the point I'm making with this is that if we're truly going to be people who reflect the kingdom of God right here, right now, I think it's very important for us to understand that we have a lot in common when scripture was written. Does that seem fair yeah, to you guys? Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. Anything to add before we move on to this last part? No. All right. So Ben did a great job segueing us into Matthew five one. Can can Ben or Chris, can you reread that for us? Yeah. That verse again? Yeah. So Matthew, we're gonna look at this one verse yeah. and then we'll be Wrapping it up. So it says that seeing seeing the crowds, and again the crowds. Uh, if you go back to, to the end of uh, of Matthew chapter four, you know he's casting out demons. He is uh, he is healing uh, the sick. Right, certainly starting to uh, gain a following. Again, there's the crowds uh, that we have there. So any uh, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. So so seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. Um, and when he sat down, his disciples uh, came to him. Now, we, we also have this idea of, of the mountain, right? Uh, is, is that uh, at all important? Uh, we think of Old Testament. Uh, we think of uh, scriptures that he would have had at the time. Think of Mount Sinai, the law given right to the people at that, that time on, um, at Mount Sinai uh, to Moses. Uh, here he is coming up on the mountain. We see if you go to the end of uh, chapter 7, uh, uh, the, the sermon here, uh, you see the, the folks say, Wow, this this man speaks with with authority, right? So there's there's a sense that that he's going up on the mountain to give some information. And again, it's not he's not solely relying on the scriptures in Matthew five, six, and seven, although he does that. Uh, but he's also coming to give even more uh, uh, than than what is there. I think that gives us a good jumping off spot. All right, so the book of Hebrews, I think it's chapter thirteen, talks about go outside the camp, mm-hmm. go outside, right? And I think there is something to that. You know, we can find in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is inside the synagogue, right? And that's kind of when he enunciates his ministry there. He says, look, the book of Isaiah has been fulfilled by the reading Mm -hmm. of this Mm -hmm. today. I come for the poor, the blind, the captive, the oppressed, which is very important. So Jesus was obviously not against the synagogue. I think we would all agree with that, right? Absolutely. I mean, good grief. He got out the money changers, you know, because he wanted to purify. Okay, wonderful. But there is something about a lot of Jesus's ministry is what? Outside of the norm going up on this mountain. And I think there is something to that because why it seems to me and and correct me if I'm wrong or challenge me if you see it differently. It seems to me that while Jesus was never again, I mean the law never against, he came to, to, to fulfill it, not to abolish it. Mm -hmm. We're going to even see that in this text that we study. Uh, And we've already mentioned the synagogue. It seems to me though, that sometimes those things that God has purposely put in our life can unintentionally, 
for lack of better words, become a roadblock for some people really seeing who the true Jesus is. And it mm-hmm. seems like sometimes Jesus has to go outside of that, not not bypassing it per se, but outside of it to get our attention. Your thoughts there? No, I think it, it, it's I think it's good. I think it's true, and I think it's one of the things that that is where as we're going along. I mean, that's still the call of us as disciples of Jesus is to is to not to distort the gospel, not to walk away from the gospel, but to certainly communicate the gospel in as many venues and as many ways as human as, as possible. Uh, because what what we're doing is we're opening the door in each way in each place for people to come to the gospel. And I think in a lot of ways, as you said, going outside the camp, this is what Jesus is doing. And remember too that Jesus's declared mission is to save the lost, not lost Jewish people, but the lost people. Right? He says, "I came, I, I came to." save that which was lost, right? To seek and save that which was lost. So I think that that's really important because, and and again, staying in context, this is a very Jewish audience, but this very Jewish audience didn't stay a Jewish audience. I think this is really important about that. So there is a sense in going outside of the camp, not only physically, but also in the sense of going outside of the camp because the camp was Israel. So he's also going outside of Israel as well. Very good, very good. So let's let's actually start at the beginning. I kind of start us at the end there. Chris, you made a great point, this crowds. I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of you walking us quickly, but, but walking us through chapters one through four to kind of see where we even are, right? But you talked about the healing and so forth, these crowds. And some of this may be speculation that we're getting ready to get into. Sure. And I want to make sure we're clear. But Chris, you've already mentioned that you, you potentially think that some of these crowds may have been already following him because of maybe the healing and some of the stuff he's done. So right. anything maybe to add there to why crowds are already maybe gathering around him? I mean, uh, one again. I'm, I'm, what I'm thinking of right now is this this idea of um, in in scripture when we when we see Old Testament, New Testament, when we see miraculous things happen and miracles, right? We think back to to whom who who the, who the first set would have been. Um, um, let's see, uh, we got Elijah and Elijah. That would have been the second set. The first set would have been um, going back even further. Uh, You're talking to Samuel and Eli. No, no, I'm thinking the first to to to, to perform miracle. Well, I guess we go back to Moses, right? Wow. Moses. Yeah, when yeah, he I mean, the serpent. Yeah, we so can yeah, go to. Yeah, no, that, that's, let's, let's start there. Yeah, All Moses. Right. So we take the law, the prophets, and then we have Jesus that comes in, right? So we have uh, we have these miracles that are taking place, and what what is one of the reasons for the for the miracles? That's fine. What is one of the reasons for the uh, the uh, the miracles? Well, one of the reasons is because uh, uh, you want to say, listen, this person is speaking with authority. There's something here. There's something supernatural that is taking place. Let, let's let's listen to what what they have uh, to say. And then what does Moses give? Well, Moses ultimately is given the law by God, and God or Moses then gives it to. So it's like uh, an attention getter right absolutely well yeah and and then you fast forward to the prophets we think of elijah and elisha right same thing we see miracles taking place well it's attention getter and and i think especially in elijah elijah it's uh, elijah and elisha it's also a verification yeah oh yeah yeah so so you get get both you get both sides of it because the one side you do get an attention getter like holy what in the world has just happened and the other hand oh that is why that happened. Yeah, and I, I think there, there can be a sense if, if you're not, you know, studying scripture, you know, through and through. I think there's a sense that oh, well, the Bible's filled with with miracles. Well, it's really kind of limited to a, a certain, you know, really three kind of periods in time. We get to get the Moses uh, uh, period. You have the the Elijah, Elisha, and then you have uh, Jesus, and thereafter, right? The the book of Acts, and obviously we see all kind of things. Sure. Even you know, here there's a handkerchief, and I touch the handkerchief that was, you know, uh, then then I'm going to be healed. I mean, you see, just in the shadow even of those things uh, that that is. 
taking place. Uh, and, and certainly there is, there is uh, uh, in, in, in Acts, what do we have? Well, we have the Gospels here, but then moving forward, we have the Epistles, we have the church mm-hmm. that, is, that is being birthed uh, out of that. So, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that, that we see here. Again, I don't want to get too far off um, uh, of where we're going here, but uh, just did, did want to mention that. Somebody takes well, I think that's there. good. I think the, the point that you're making, and I won't need to remake your point, but you, there is a period we see of all these different miracles, phenomenal. The, the point of this text is what? More than likely, the crowds are coming. They're already starting to see this stuff, yeah, right? There yeah. is Because of the miracles. Yeah, there, there's, yeah. A, yeah. there's a buzz. There's something, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got a crowd. Um, Jesus sees this crowd. I think from moving from this preaching sermon that Jesus says, preaching the sermon, we can see that there is, there's, there's, there's going to be a crowd, you know what I mean? And they have some motives. One of their motivations is to make him king. Mm -hmm. Some of them are to Mm -hmm. follow him. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I I don't want to judge the motives right now. That's not the point, but we see that what, from this point on, there's going to be a host of people around him. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Now we know because of the text right here that he does say, when he sat down, his disciples came to him. We know that that, yeah. can, that can mean just these 12, or it, it includes the 12, right? But we also know that it doesn't just have to be them, right? Yeah. So let's, let's take it there for a little bit. The question I'm going to ask you, and this is a challenging question that I've posed to, to a group that I was leading. If they're hearing the message of Jesus, is Jesus already assuming that they're his disciples? Yay or nay? I don't think he is. Okay, so explain what what that verse means then. Well, what I think that verse means is is that, well, first of all, uh, the disciple, the word disciples is used in a variety of contexts, mm-hmm. like in Scripture as a whole, and it does not always mean the twelve. Right. Like that's that's a given, right? Especially when you get into Acts, all the disciples who were gathered in one place, there were about one hundred and twenty of them. So it's not like we had all of a sudden ten Peters and ten, you know. So there's there's disciples is a variety of things, but also I think that you're you're not looking at a group of people who are like when you go back to when you go back to the end of four, and and you look at at this list of people who are here right from Syria, from Decapolis, from Judea, from beyond the Jordan, from Jerusalem, from Galilee. Mm-hmm. These these are not Jesus hasn't even been to these places yet. So how in the world would they possibly be his disciples? Because there's no sense in the text that gives us that the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, something dynamic in time has happened, right? So this is probably something very similar, very close in time in conjunction with one another. I would even argue that I don't think that we have a whole lot of warrant to say that we've gone beyond even the same day. So I think that you have a lot of people coming together, and I think that disciples, it's, this, it's really disciples and because I think that the disciples are there, but I also think there are other people who are there as well. One of the things that I've heard is that that you can look at this and say, "Hey, his disciples came near, so that is the twelve closest, so to speak." They came, but there's that doesn't. There's a huge audience back there. They came, sure. maybe it came close. I don't know if that's important to state or not, but I've heard that sp- spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of running out of time, so I want to make sure we hit one more. I think it's very important: the posture of how Jesus teaches. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal. He what? Sits. Why is that a big deal? So what we can see is the Old Testament, specifically with the the priest, they were always standing. What they were mm. always standing, right? Standing, mm-hmm. standing, standing. When we see Jesus in His kingdom, He it says He is now what sitting, sitting. upon His throne. What does that imply? Mm. It's finished. Yeah. Jesus, in my opinion, right here, when he when he does this, when he starts this message, 
I, I hope I'm not reading too much into this, but I think he's already implying to his eye, it's already done. The kingdom's mm-hmm. already, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm the kingdom. I'm bringing it. It's finished. Satan's days are numbered. It's here. And so his posture of even teaching is what? From a position of ruling, not a position mm-hmm. of what? Hey, we got more work to do, so to mm-hmm. speak. The work has been done in Christ. So I think that's a big deal. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. Thoughts there? I, I don't know if you're reading too much into it or not, but I like I think back, and this is something we mentioned just a little bit ago, that, that the message of Jesus when John the Baptist is jailed is not that the kingdom of, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. Yeah. It says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand. Yeah, it's right, right now. I mean, yeah. that's what that, that, that phrase typically means, is yeah. that it's in hand. It's like I can reach out and grab it. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, you know... If you're reading too much into it, I'm reading that right there with you, man. Yeah. That's that's all I can say. The, the the only other thing I'll mention too is, you know, we talked about this idea that uh, the Messiah, the Christ, is going to be this uh, militaristic type of uh, mm-hmm. of uh, savior, right, to, to come. Um, and uh, of course, if if ever there was an opportunity. Right to sit down and begin to uh, preach propaganda. Hey, I'm your guy. Right here it is. And yet, you know, again, we're, we're not going to get into the the text of his sermon today. But you're uh, dead on. But, but again, yeah. first words out: Blessed are the, the poor. poor. What? Yeah. You know, blessed are those who mourn. Yeah. Come what? on, right? Uh, woe to those who laugh. Right. We yeah. go to the Luke section. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, so you know, he had an opportunity if that's what he wanted. So certainly, there would have probably been some puzzled faces. Wait, wait, what? What is he talking about? Here you are. This guy's been healing people. Yeah. 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 There's a good introduction to our next next one. one. Yeah. Yeah. So very good. So I'm going to wrap this up because I've said this two times. I want to say it a third time for emphasis. We study this. Why? Because it's going to help us today to be in the, the kingdom's here. We are already a part of that kingdom. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's who we are as believers. So while you are in, you know, Spring Hill or Brooksville or Wikiwachi or wherever you may be listening, Newport Ritchie, wherever, right? Or, or somewhere else, you're a part of that culture. You're a part of that, that government. You're a part of, you know, that employer, all those things, all those things are important, but your residence in the kingdom is already there as a follower Mm -hmm. of Christ. Yeah. And your call is to do, is to live almost like a duality, live for the kingdom now, but in such a way that affects well the place that you're living. And we, the three of us at this table, believe the best way that you can do that is have a a right understanding of God's word and apply that to everyday things. So we appreciate you guys listening. We're glad to be back working together and uh, look forward to some more episodes from us. So thank you so much. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening to People in Exile. For more information, visit the website, peopleinexile.com, and make sure to follow us on Facebook. Until next time, keep praying and seeking the welfare of your city.